Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Master the Mouse. Hit it, maestro. Welcome to episode 15 of Master the Mouse. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is Griffin. Griffin, how are you? I'm good, buddy. Good to be back. You know, it's always good to be back. Record. This is something that I look forward to almost every week. I think about it constantly throughout the week. I don't know about you, but that's at least that's how I feel about it. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to have this conversation anyways. Might as well do it on the podcast. Yeah, make sure everybody gets to be a part, right? Yeah, absolutely. Instead of in our driveways. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, I do have a bit of follow-up from our last episode, and it's really more of a personal follow-up than anything else because I re-listen to our episodes after we record them, Mm -hmm. and I mistakenly said that Kona Cafe was my favorite resort restaurant. You did say that. It's, It's only halfway true. I realized that that was a bold statement. I have to retract that just a little bit. It's not my favorite. It's definitely in the top echelon of my favorite restaurants, but it's not my my favorite because if you remember, even a few episodes before we had Becca on, we were talking about this very thing. And I mentioned on more than one occasion that Sanaa is my absolute most favorite restaurant at any Disney resort. Right. And I have to stick by that. It it still is. And so I have to apologize to all of my Kona friends out there it's still one of my favorites but i can't say that it is my favorite okay i believed you i know you had a soft spot for kona so i was i was buying it i do have a soft spot for kona i actually announced the gender reveal of our of our firstborn child at kona cafe they even helped me plan the whole thing out the maitre d there it was awesome and they were great for doing it so i do have a little warm place in my heart yeah that's what that's the one that you uh you're you may be being modest here but you wrote that for disney food blog right yes for the disney food blog for any of the for any of the diehard disney fans out there that actually read that site pretty religiously like i do I did. I guest blogged for that website on occasion and I wrote about my experience there. And so there's a picture and a whole story about the whole thing. So yeah, if you want to uh, see what happened, feel free to check it out. The easiest way to do that is just Google like Disney food blog, Aaron Crumb. Yeah, I read that. That's when I knew that, uh, you know, it was okay for us to be friends when I knew that you were guest blogging on Disney food blog. I passed the test. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Fair enough. All right, Griffin, the question of the episode, what do you got for us? All right, this week, uh, I'm going to ask you if this is overrated, underrated, or properly rated. I'm going to ask you to think outside the box a little bit here, and because I'm going to ask you about uh, a land inside one of the parks. So in Animal Kingdom, Asia land, I want you to tell me what you think. Um, As far as attractions and things to physically see, you've got the Jungle Trek, you've got the Up Bird Adventure, Fairly New Change. You've got Expedition Everest, and you've got Cali River Rapids. So if you think about that land as a whole, plus the theming, plus any other maybe restaurants or street performers that I'm not thinking of, where would that fall in your you know, your hierarchy as far as places you want to visit? Am I comparing the, the overratedness or the ratedness of this area to other areas of the park or just that area itself? Well, since I'm making up the rules on the fly, I'm going to say... You're comparing it to what 
the general Disney audience feels about Asia, which I think most people probably compare it to Africa and other places that you're walking through on the same day. I would think that's how most people look about it. Okay. I'm going to say it is underrated. Okay. Tell me why. On the whole, on the whole, this is why. One is the theming might be some of the best theming in all of Animal Kingdom. If and I've read some some studies on this one too, or some interesting facts. Rather, how, do you read studies? Is that something that you do? Yeah, I mean, I should hope people are doing research on Disney, but <laughs> okay, that's fair. But they actually, the Disney Imagineers actually went to India, into Tibet, into all these different places in Asia to gather together the theming and so when you see like the carts that the food is served out of and you see the flags that are hanging and and the flags that are on the string across you know the walkways and then all of the theming in mount everest all of that is like traditional theming of that area of the world and the imagineers took the time to go over and experience that and to immerse themselves in those cultures and came back and then put it into effect into the Disney parks. And I think that's totally awesome. So the theming knocks it out of the park. Yep. I'm also, so when you start talking about rides, you have, you have Cali River Rapids and you have Mount Everest. Mm-hmm. Mount Everest, great attraction. One of my favorite roller coasters in on Disney property. Cali River Rapids, I, I enjoy, I like. As far as water rides, it's probably not the best water ride in all of Disney, but it's a fun ride. I'm not yeah. necessarily going to wait in a super long line to do it. Yeah. But it's pretty good. I enjoy it. The Jungle Trek, if you're an animal lover, I really enjoy the Jungle Trek in Asia. Um, seeing the tigers is great because you can get right up into that glass. And also the room, you know, you can walk. As you're walking through that, you get to one area where it's like the – I don't, I don't know what the official name of it is. It's like the bird room, right? Yeah. You can, you walk into it and the birds just like have free reign and you're in there with them. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. So I love that. I actually haven't seen the new revision of the up version of the, what's it called? The up a great bird adventure. Up a great bird adventure. Yeah. I haven't seen it since they added the up theming to it. So I can't really speak to that, but I will talk about the food in Asia I think is is awesome. First and foremost, Yak and Yeti is underrated. I enjoy every meal that I've ever had there. I've thoroughly enjoyed. So they have the sit down restaurant and then they also have the counter service. So if you're not going to want to spend a whole bunch of time or money sitting at the table and eating a table service, then they have a, a like a to go booth as well. And you can you know get food to go there as well. So that's really cool. And they also have that ice cream cart that is right beside the Mount Everest attraction, which I know, you know, ice cream in and of itself isn't, you know, Asian themed or whatever, but the cart that it, you that you buy it in is. And I, I it's one of the places that we always stop and get some ice cream because it's like right in the middle where you've walk, walked a long way to get to Mount Everest. Right. And so, you, you know, it's a great place to grab a snack and eat an ice cream. And so uh, I enjoy that too. So yeah, all in all, I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say underrated Asia. What say you, Griffin? Yes, I agree with you. And um, I, I think the thing when I was crafting this question that that made it underrated for me is the theming. Just like you said, the, the cues for Everest and Cali are both amazing. And the Jungle Trek, it's not a ride, but it is amazing. I think 
you know, the there's like that tiger mural back there, you know, that's like painted on one of the walls or, or tiles on the walls. But it's one of the best places as far as just strong theming, probably in all of Disney World. So I love it. I agree. Everest, you know, a top e-ticket attraction. And uh, Cali is an okay water ride that feels half as long as it should be. But um, all in all, underrated. Yep, I totally agree. Great question, by the way. Yeah, I'm getting creative. Yeah, you really brought your A-game with that one. I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. What's next? You guys know that on this podcast, we try not to be a news source for you all. And that's not something that we excel at. We really are geared more towards how you tour the parks. What's the best strategies to save time? What are the best ways to maybe save some money when you're thinking about going to Disney? And we don't really get into the news a whole lot. But before we dive into anything else, there was a bunch of news that came out this week pertaining to Disney, both Disney World and Disneyland. And so obviously we're going to focus on the Disney World news. And we just wanted to briefly run through some of it because a lot of it will pertain to how you may want to visit the parks and even some strategies around how you visit them when you're there. And so we just kind of want to run through them really quickly and talk to some of them. So the Disney company had a big event this week called Destination D. And it was kind of an unveiling of a lot of things that Disney has been working on throughout the course of this year and that they're going to be releasing in the coming years. And so the first thing that they kind of talked about that we'll that we'll mention is Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Griffin, I know you're looking forward to that one. Yes, I'm one of a few people that are looking forward to it. Yeah, you and all 12 of your closest friends that will be there, right? Right, absolutely. I'm hoping it's just us. So they announced a couple of things about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. One is they announced the names of the two attractions that will be headlining that area of the park. And the first one is called the Millennium Falcon Smuggler's Run, which will be kind of the the themed version of the Millennium Falcon, obviously. And you'll be joining your crew members on one of three different voyages. And so they announced the name of that ride, which Griffin, how you feel about that? Uh, I approve. You approve. It seems a little wordy to me. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. They had to come up with something distinctive or so it just didn't sound like one of the movies. You know what I mean? It had to have something unique about it. So I don't know if it'll end up being known as Millennium Falcon or Smuggler's Run, but I can't imagine people are going to say that whole thing every time. No, I I would bet that people are going to call it Smuggler's Run. Yeah. And, and that is kind of cool and, and unique. So I'm, d- I'm down with that. Yeah. And so the other one that they released was the second attraction in Galaxy's Edge called Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. What do you think about that one? Uh, I'm fine with that. Which one is this again? What is that going to do? We know what that's going to be like. I don't really know, to be honest. I just know the name. OK, I like it. Rise of the Resistance. Uh, I'm fine with it. Anytime we talk about Galaxy's Edge, it's like I get excited, but I also get sad because I feel like the more hype it gets, the, you know, just the, it's, things are just going to be different. You know, I think just everything we're talking about, about touring Disney World as a whole is all going to have to be rewritten. So uh, I'm excited, but it, you know, it, I just know that it's going to be really crowded. So that makes me a little sad. No doubt, no doubt. So there's a couple other things about Hollywood Studios that I'll mention real quickly is the next one is most of you guys know, but the great movie ride unfortunately saw its demise and the curtains closed on it. It's being reimagined and it's going to turn into this attraction called Minnie and Mickey's Runaway Railway. And so they kind of announced 
that ride a while ago, but they gave some new updates to that ride. Pretty excited about that. It's going to feature some some new Mickey shorts. It's going to be kind of an interactive trackless ride. So a lot of people are, are pretty excited about that. Griffin, how do you feel about about that attraction being in Hollywood Studios? Uh, I'm I'm super pumped about that one. I, I you know with everything that's being built, I don't maybe that's only me, but I feel like that's way up on my list. I just I don't know why I just feel like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, I don't. I guess I'm hoping that there's like a the great movie ride feel will live on if that you know the grand scale of that ride. If they could do that with this one, um, then maybe it can really make a mark. Yeah, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic is is what I'll say. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and it's you're going to need some other stuff to to fill people's time while, while they're waiting in line to get into galaxy's edge. So I think it's very important that there's something there that can really pull through crowds. Yeah, absolutely. And so the last bit of news that came out this week about Hollywood studios is that there's going to be a new nighttime cinematic experience coming on May 1st, which will celebrate the 30th anniversary of the park. It's called the wonderful world of animation. And it will supposedly use top notch technology to take Guests through a journey of 90 years of Disney imagination. Huh. Okay. So when is, is that replacing something or is it in addition to Star Wars fireworks? No, I think this is in, in addition to everything that's going on now. I don't think that it's actually replacing anything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause there's already, you already can't do Fantasmic and Star Wars on the same night a lot of the time. So, but maybe this is something that will be like before or after it. Yeah, that's my my best guess without knowing for sure. Okay. All right. So to be continued, but yeah, why not? More, more nighttime spectaculars. Yeah, I think we've talked about at other times on this podcast that Hollywood Studios might be a half-day park, especially if you've got little ones that don't want to ride some of those big e-ticket attractions and that, you know, you may have done a lot of the things in the past and it's not going to change a whole lot. Yeah. So it may turn into a park that you're only there for half day. And if you have park hoppers, you're going to go to a different park or you're going to go back to your resort. As these things start to influence this park more, this is going to become an all day park. And it's going to become a park that you may not get to everything in a day. If you're adding two new rides in Galaxy's Edge and now you've got Toy Story Land and now you have a couple of different nighttime options to pick from, there's going to be a lot here to do. And you're going to have to plan accordingly. Yep. I, I, I completely agree with that. And I think we, we talked a little bit about this previously, but, you know, it's going to be harder and harder to think you can knock out every park in one day and see all of Disney World in four to five days. Just you know, for fast passes, if nothing else, you know, it would behoove you to go into Hollywood Studios on two different days so that you can get, I, I have no idea how the fast passes are going to go, but so that you can get desirable fast passes for day one and a different set for the second time you go in. Because you're not going to get everything you want in one day, which is going to lead to lots of lines. Yeah, absolutely. On top of that, I think where, where our kind of tips and tricks come into play is using that rider swap. I think that using a rider swap now becomes even more pivotal, especially when you consider the attractions in Star Wars, Galaxy's Edge, and the ones in Toy Story Land. And if you want to go down Sunset Boulevard and ride Tower of Terror and Rock and Roller Coaster, then rider swaps are going to be something key that you'll be wanting to take advantage of. Yep, I agree. And uh, yeah, I, I think I, I can totally see this is going to end up being something you have to go back to Hollywood Studios more than once. All right, that wraps up kind of the new news that has dropped this past week about 
Hollywood Studios. The other bit of news that came out was about Epcot, first and foremost being Illuminations. We both know that Disney made an announcement about Illuminations coming to an end, and I know personally that really broke your heart. There were more details that came out this week about what exactly the plan around Illuminations is. So in the fall of 2019, Illuminations will be ending, and there will be a new nighttime celebration that will take place in the fall of 2019. And that will be all about celebrating Epcot and just the evolution of Epcot. So I, I'm anxious to see it. I'm sad Illuminations is going away. But Griffin, what do you think about something like Epcot Forever taking the place of, of Illuminations temporarily? Yeah. Because I, there's a part two of this story. Right, right. I I, I mean, I'm, I'm always up to see something new. I mean, I know Illuminations holds a place in your heart, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think it's that show's been around a long time. I think it's probably time for for something new. And the World Showcase is such an amazing place for a nighttime show. Um, so I think the the reality is these things are going to continue to evolve. Yeah, and this show is temporary. So Epcot Forever will debut in the fall of 2019, or at least that's what has been announced. And then the full time replacement to Illuminations, which which will replace it indefinitely will be in 2020. Now, they didn't release a time in 2020 that that may come out, but they just said that this new show, Epcot Forever, is temporary and that in 2020 it will be replaced by another new nighttime show. So, I don't know. For me personally, it'll be something that I'll want to go down and check out at some point. So, I'm definitely going to be planning a trip between the fall of 2019 and 2020 sometime because... I want to see the new Epcot show. I want to see the new changes at Hollywood Studios. I want to attempt to try to weasel my way into Galaxy's Edge. Somehow, there's a lot of things that are going on that, you know, as you're planning trips or thinking about trips in the future that you just want to kind of keep in mind. So if you have gone to Disney before and love Illuminations and can't wait to see that fireworks show again, you'll definitely want to get back before the fall of 2019 because if you wait too long, you're not going to see that show anymore and it's going to be replaced. So keep that in mind as you're right. you know, planning your next trips. There's just a couple more things that I want to point out really quickly. We'll run through these real quick because they're not um, huge changes. You know, in the France Pavilion, there is a new ride coming and it's going to be called Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. There's a Ratatouille ride at some other theme parks international theme parks we don't have one here in walt disney world so it's something that they've already been building and so they released a little bit more details about that mainly the name there's also a sing-along coming to the france pavilion with the theme of beauty and the beast so that will be something new to kind of check out in world showcase as well yeah i think i mean i'm excited about all of that i mean i know there's some people i don't know where you fall on this that don't like the idea of like intellectual property or, you know, movie characters ending up in world showcase. Uh, but I mean, that's, that's going to continue to happen. That clearly is what Disney wants. You know, they did that with putting frozen into Norway. Uh, so I think that's the trend. So if it's going to happen anyways, I just hope we get really good rides and shows out of it. Yeah. Especially if they're culturally relevant, like, right. So Frozen had the theme of Norway built into the movie already. Right. That you, you've heard rumors about Coco coming into the Mexican pavilion to, re, to replace the Grand Fiesta tour. The movie itself is, has that Mexican theme and it fits in with the world showcase. And even in France, you know, when Luminaire sings about be our guest, he, he clearly says, after all, miss, this is France. 
That's right. Yeah. So it's culturally relevant and it applies to World Showcase. It would be different if all of a sudden you got inundated with Daisy Duck at the French Pavilion. So it, I think it's culturally appropriate. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it's kind of it kind of shows off just how, um, you know, the breadth of Disney movies and the different cultures that they hit upon. So that, I think that is is kind of a cool way to show that off. So last thing about the news, and then we'll wrap it up, because again, I don't look to us as being a news source. We, we occasionally will retweet some things about, you know, some news folks that we follow, but we don't we don't try to pride ourselves on being a news source. But the last thing that I did want to talk about, because it does pertain to how people will tour the parks and experience the parks, is Disney released some, some information about some of the new resorts that are coming, which we'll talk about at length probably sometime in the future. But the, the most current is is the new gondola system that's going to be going into live production. I don't know. I don't. How do we even say that? Is going to be utilized more frequently, but it will open in the fall of 2019, similar to some of the other experiences that we've talked about. And so it's a gondola system that kind of goes from Hollywood Studios to several of the resorts and then from Epcot to the resorts. And so it's just something else that you'll be able to use. And my guess is at first people will kind of use that as another attraction to ride. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm fired up. I, I, I feel like one of the things that is unique to me about Disney World is the variety of ways to get around. So, I mean, the monorail obviously being the best example. So I, I would think the best case scenario is the gondola kind of is in, in our kids' hearts the same way the monorail is in you know, it's in their their hearts the same way the monorail is in ours. It's something you kind of grow up experiencing that's very unique. So I, I think it would be, it's got potential. It clearly is designed to be ready before Galaxy's Edge opens um, to handle crowds. I don't know exactly about being high up in the air. Like, is it going to go in rain? Or is it going to stop when there's thunderstorms, which happens every day in Orlando? So that that's the part that I'm kind of wondering how smooth it will ride. It will it will function. Yeah, the other thing to keep in mind is they're not air conditioning either. Oh my lord! Seriously? Seriously, there's no air conditioning in these things. So when it's you know 95 plus degrees in the Florida sun in the middle of summer, if you're sitting in line to ride that gondola, just be prepared that it may be a little toasty in those Skyliners. Yeah, then see that you get stuck in one or something. I, I, hopefully they won't never stop, but you know, be like being stuck at the top of a Ferris wheel in the heat. That might, <laughs> that might be a bad experience. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It'll, it'll be another thing to try to experience and utilize when you're touring the parks, but I'll reserve judgment until they open up in the fall of 2019 and, and I get a chance to ride them. So I'll hold off until then. Okay, yeah. All right, we'll move on from the news and kind of get to more of a main topic here. And most of you have heard me talk about my trip in October. And if you'll remember in a couple episodes ago, Griffin has talked about how his family is going to be going and spending a land and sea vacation down in Orlando doing a couple days at the Disney parks and then heading on over to Port Canaveral and doing a hopping on a Disney cruise. And so they're super pumped about that. I'm super pumped for them. But Griffin just had some questions about some touring strategies, about things that maybe he should look into, and what better place to kind of vet those ideas out than on this podcast, because I'm guessing a lot of you that are either thinking about going to Disney or are going to begin to plan a trip might have some similar questions. And so we just wanted to talk through some of them as Griffin's prepping to go on his trip. And so we're going to use this time to walk through that and kind of bounce ideas off of each other. So Griffin, the floor is yours. Ask away. 
All right. Um, so again, hopefully some of these can be extrapolated out to other people's trips, but I'm selfishly asking so you can help me. My, my first one is I want to, this kind of gets to the idea of early extra morning magic hours and how valuable they can be. So let me tell you my situation and you tell me what you think. So like I've told you before, basically I have one full day in the parks before I get on this boat and I'm going to do a lot. Um, I'm going to have a small party, just two of us. And we're going to be doing a lot. And I wanted to ask you what you thought about rope drop strategy and how to utilize that. Let me let me tell you my non-negotiable things I have to ride in one day. Both Pandora rides, both Toy Story rides, Tower of Terror, Rock and Roller Coaster, Everest, trying to think. And that that's basically the ones I have to ride. Um, and then I'm going to try to do a lot of other stuff. So here's what I've got right now. That morning... Hollywood Studios has early extra magic hours, which means the park's opening at nine typically, but they're pushing it back to eight o'clock opening for on-site guests. So we, we've got that as one thing. What would you, and, and the other, right, but the other thing that's going on is my first fast pass is actually flight of passage from 9.30 to 10.30. So my initial plan was to just go to Animal Kingdom, do as much as I can, do my fast passes over there, um, including Flight of Passage, and then go to Hollywood Studios. But I'm basically at that point going to be waiting standby for Slinky Dog and Swirling Saucers, all these things. Do you think I'm missing out by not hitting up extra early extra morning magic hours over at Hollywood Studios and trying to do Slinky Dog, Tower of Terror, and then heading over to Animal Kingdom? Were you anticipating rope dropping Flight of Passage? That, that's my best case scenario is a hardcore rope drop of Flight of Passage followed by a Fast Pass Flight of Passage. So I can do it twice. Uh, but I, So right now I'm kind of, I'm doing, I'm, my goal is to do Flight of Passage twice, but I, I'm definitely suffering in other areas. But because of that, I was forced to do my all three of my initial Fast Passes at Animal Kingdom, which means I'm walking into Hollywood Studios with nothing to show for it. Um, with, you know, three or four, depending on what you think about alien swirling saucers, but, you know, four popular attractions that I'm trying to get on, um, five, if you include, include Toy Story Mania and no fast passes. I think the other thing that you have, we have to keep in mind too, is can you remind everyone when you're going to be down in, in Orlando, just so they get a kind of gauge on how crowded the parks may be, because you're going at a typically pretty crowded time. Uh, yeah, so, you know, December can be crowded, but we're we're kind of hitting that, you know, Thanksgiving week, terribly crowded. And then there's that little bit of lull right before Christmas builds back up. I'm hoping we're hitting that in the lull, um, like the Sunday that I'm going to be in the park. You know, you can go on touringplans.com and get kind of your park ratings. And like Hollywood Studios on those day have like a three, three out of ten park levels. Um, and Animal Kingdom is like a four out of ten. So, um, the park should be less crowded. They should not be just crazy. Um, so I should have a decent ability to move around. But I guess, you know, I, at first I was not going to do the extra magic hours in the morning just because it's early and I, I want to make sure I get all my flight of passage, you know, fills um, out early. Uh, but then I started second guessing myself and wondering, should I be going to Hollywood Studios first and just knocking out as many of those attractions as possible and then bump into Animal Kingdom. Yes, so I'm finally gonna answer your question because I dodged it. So I think on the whole, as a general park strategy, I'm gonna talk about my general park strategies first and then I'll answer your question. Generally speaking, if I'm going to Disney for any length of time, I avoid 
any type of extra magic hours unless they're in the evening. Okay. In the morning, I never go to the extra morning hours at any morning park. And I always plan my trip around touring the parks that don't have the early morning extra magic hours. Because for a couple of reasons, one, because it allows me to catch a little bit more sleep in the morning and not feel as rushed. And two, those parks tend to be more crowded in the morning because those guests are all trying to take advantage of that extra hour that they get in the park for staying on site. Whereas for your case, if Hollywood Studios had extra early morning hours and then Magic Kingdom or Epcot didn't, the crowds might be a little lighter in the morning at Magic Kingdom or Epcot because they don't have any special hours associated with them. So I'm going to try to go do those in the morning and then come back to a different park in the evening if I want to. But that's generally how I tour. But now in your circumstance, given the fact that you have fast passes at Animal Kingdom and you're dedicated to going there and riding Flight of Passage, I do have one more question to ask you. Aside from Flight of Passage, what are your other two fast passes at Animal Kingdom? It's Everest uh, and Dinosaur. And that's only because, I mean, normally I would probably say for someone that's never been, I would do Everest and the Safari, but we've done the Safari a lot and uh, and really want to, do we just want to knock out Dinosaur? I don't even know if that's going to be an important fast pass as far as wait times, but yeah, that's my three. Okay, so for as trying to get as mu- as many rides in as possible, here's personally what I would do. Okay. I'll say too, I'm not some sort of fast pass expert or anything, but what I would do personally is I would rope drop Hollywood Studios. I would do it as early as I can. You know, we've talked in the past about people getting super early to the park entrance for flight of passage rope drop. I would do something similar, not to that extreme, obviously, but I would do something similar to Hollywood Studios riding Slinky Dog and riding Alien Saucers and riding Toy Story Midway Mania as quickly as I can. And then depending on the time, try to get back to Animal Kingdom as close to park opening as you could. Now that may involve taking an Uber from Hollywood Studios to Animal Kingdom instead of waiting on the bus because you'll lose quite a bit of time waiting on the bus. And if you're okay with taking an Uber, especially if there's just two of you, you can probably get that pretty quickly. And in use that as your mode of transportation between the two parks. So I would do that, knock those rides out of the way, because even if Hollywood Studios is a three out of 10, that line for Slinky Dog Dash is still going to be 90 minutes plus. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's kind of what I was thinking about. I mean, there, there's a nice review of this strategy on um, that I read online that kind of talked about riding that wave, which is what you're describing. Basically, if you can get out in front of everybody you can knock out everything on that early extra magic hour and then jump to another park. Uh, but obviously there's no fast passes in there during that time. So you gotta, you got like, you gotta be on the front edge to make it work for slinky dog in general. We don't love magic extra magic hours cause it tends to attract crowds. But, uh, you know, my u- unique situation may, may, re- uh, it may be what I do. Before we move on to your, your next question, I, I, the only other thing that I want to mention is that if you ride that wave and you're the first group of people on Slinky Dog and then you ride Midway Mania and you're, you're one of the first groups there and then Swirling Saucers, you know, you're middle of the pack, but you're not going to wait more than probably 10 minutes first thing in the morning. What that allows you to do is if you want to come back, because you said you wanted to ride Rock and Roller Coaster and Tower of Terror, those fast passes typically are pretty available later in the afternoon as well. 
And so even if you don't do those on your first kind of stop at Hollywood Studios and you go do the Hollywood Studios things and go to Animal Kingdom and knock out those rides that you want to do, if it's strictly just a ride trip and you're not worried about, you know, seeing all the things to see and taking your time, if you head back to Hollywood Studios, my guess is just for a party of two, you'll be able to get a fast pass for Tower of Terror and or Rock and Roller Coaster and still not have to wait in line for those rides either. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping. And, I, you know, we've talked a little bit about refreshing the app to get uh, desirable fast passes. And I'm I'm really going to be wearing that out, you know, especially if you're traveling from Animal Kingdom to Hollywood Studios. You know, you've got a 20, 15 minute Uber. I, I think if I sat there and refresh constantly, I could probably get some pretty good fast passes coming back into the next park. Yep, absolutely. All right. What's your next question? Uh, so next question. Now, this is related. So I'll go ahead and ask you this one now. Would it be important to you on someone who has not spent a lot of time in either one of these lands, new lands being uh, Pandora and Toy Story Land, and you've only got one day, how important would you say it is to see either one of those at nighttime and specifically ride Slinky Dog at nighttime? So the experience is different at nighttime, but I wouldn't say that it would be one of those things where I would sacrifice not getting to ride something else that I knew I wanted to ride especially if I've already ridden it. Now, if it was one of those situations where it's the end of the day and I maybe haven't ridden Slinky Dog yet and I have the opportunity to, I'm definitely going to do it. It is special at nighttime. There's no doubt about it. In Pandora, the second part of your question, Pandora is beautiful at nighttime. But to be honest, the ride queue for Navi River Journey and the ride queue for Flight of Passage don't necessarily take it all advantage of the ambiance and the theming of Pandora Land. Mm-hmm. Pandora Land at nighttime is one of those things. It's, it's cool to walk around and you could spend a lot of time looking at all the things. But once you're inside of Pandora Ride, for me, it was enough to walk out of Flight of Passage through Pandora out of the park to get that exposure to Pandora at nighttime. I didn't have to spend much more time there or go out of my way to make sure that I was there. So there's been instances like this last time that we were there that we weren't even in Pandora World at nighttime. It, it's it's beautiful. It's great. It's cool. But I don't know that I would go out of my way for either one of those to make sure that I did it at nighttime. Okay. Okay. That That's helpful. I mean, I think I love being in the parks at night, but, um, you know, as the crowds start to thin, that's when we're going to be able to really ride more stuff. So I'm going to have to make some choices. Um, and it, for the, the slinky dog quandary in my mind is at nighttime, it looks to be particularly fun with some great lighting. Uh, in daytime though, you can see galaxy's edge up on that hill. So if I'm, I think if I'm going to do it at night, I'm going to do it twice because I don't honestly don't want to miss out on being able to glance at the vastness of Galaxy's Edge uh, up over the top of Slinky Dog. I will say it is a pretty spectacular view. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. So I think I'm going to do a daytime Slinky Dog and then plus or minus on, on nighttime. All right. So my, my next question, if we got time for a couple more. So I want you to think through this uh, with me, if you don't mind. And this kind of gets to the idea of, you know, what it's like to take advantage of parking um, at resorts. So as we've talked about, I think uh, resort parking used to be free at Disney World. It no longer is. We're actually going to be at the Dolphin where it has never been free. So all these are ranging 20 to some odd $30 a night. What would your thoughts be on, say I'm staying at the Dauphin and I would like to not pay for parking for two nights. A reservation to eat at a place like the Yacht Club or the Beach Club or the Boardwalk, which are right there on Crescent Lake. Um, A reservation to eat, which is then bumped out and canceled, but it gets me into one of those parking lots and then I then park my car there and it doesn't move for 
48 hours. What what do you think happens to my car? Anything? Man, that's a good question. I don't know, but here's here's an alternative solution maybe. Okay, yeah, I just wanted you to think through this with me. Because all of the resorts around Crescent Lake are fairly close together and you're only going to be there for two nights, you could definitely get away with doing it at maybe beach and yacht club. Okay. So if you went in for the first night, you, you rolled into beach club, obviously this part of it, I would say, you know, obviously drop your family and the luggage off and everything, get them situated and, and it just be you and maybe one other person in the car and you roll up to maybe beach club Yeah. and you say, Hey, we're, we're going to go eat at beaches and cream. Or we're going to go eat at, you know, one of the restaurants there. You get in, you park the car, you you walk maybe through the beach club lobby and you walk right over back to the dolphin through the walkway. Yeah. No harm, no foul. And then maybe if you have a little bit of time the next day, just to be safe, maybe you move your car from the beach club to the yacht club and have a reservation at the Yachtsman Steakhouse. And you say, hey, we're here to eat at the Yachtsman Steakhouse. They look. They see your name. You move right over into that parking lot. And again, because it's a short walk across that walkway to the Swan and Dolphin, you can just walk over there too. So that way your car's not in the same location for two nights and starting to look kind of suspicious, but rather it has moved from resort to resort. And if you even needed to feel a little bit more safe, you could do the same thing across the lake over at Boardwalk too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to research this more. I think before Disney started charging for parking, it probably would have been even easier you know once you're in the parking lot they don't care there no one's paying for parking there so it would have been easy to avoid the dolphin charge but now i gotta i gotta think through it a little more and i I think one of the the corollary to this that i do think is helpful for our our listeners is if you ever have a car and you don't want to pay for parking at magic kingdom i i know i've heard from um, several people that you know getting a reservation for the wave or california grill something like that going and parking and then walking over to Magic Kingdom is a, is a good way to get free parking. And I think from the little bit of research I've done, if you go on boards and, and people will scold you for about lack of a better word for this plan and tell you it's not going to work. But then if you talk to people who have tried it, they're like, yeah, it works fine. No one's going to mess with your car. So I think there's some flexibility there. Yeah, I just, you know, considering we had a cast member on our last episode, uh, maybe she could help us. I don't know. She was a parking attendant at the Magic Kingdom for a bit, so maybe she knows somebody. Oh, Lord, that's a great point. Or she might get really frustrated with us. Uh, But, I, I, you know, I think it's, we're just always, Disney World's expensive, and uh, I'm just always looking for different ideas. And that doesn't mean we're either one of us are going to use any of this, but I think it's a good thought exercise. No, I think another thing to consider maybe is, Uh, personal experience so we were at the animal kingdom last time we visited and we actually hired a sitter to come stay with our youngest at the time Uh, we were worried about our sitter having to come pay for parking at the animal kingdom lodge well we called the front desk and just told them hey we have someone to come watch our child in our room while we're going to go out we want to make sure that she doesn't have to pay for parking and they said that's that's no problem at all when they just inform them when they pull up to the gate give them the gate attendant the information with their id and just say hey you're here to babysit and you are a day guest so that's what she did and there was no questions asked and she didn't have any trouble getting into the resort and didn't have any issues with payment keep that in mind too that if you have a good enough reason to be at the park or at the resort rather then you may be able to get away with more than you think yeah i I think you're probably right now i guess the I just don't know that Disney's to the point, and I, I think we could find this out by 
maybe listeners or research, but what are, are they really coursing through the parking lot or is really the point of, you know, of checking is more like when you come into the parking lot and once you're in there, you're in there. So that, I think that's probably the big question is, is there any surveillance that goes on once you're in, in there? Is there a tag or something that you would need to stay there for multiple days? So uh, to be continued, I guess I'll report back what I find out. All right. That sounds good. All right. What's the next question? Uh, next and, and last of my scheduled questions. Um, have you have you ever done all four parks in one day? Uh, no. The most I've done in one day is three. Okay. That's, I was wondering if, if, you, if that appealed to you on any symbolic level like it seems to for, for some people. You know, a picture inside every park just to say that you did it. Yeah, I think the notion is cool. The effectiveness kind of loses its luster for me. I think maybe if I went more than, you know, once a year or twice a year or something like that, then then maybe it would have more appeal to me. But when we're down there, we're only down there for, you know, a week at most, you know, eight days, nine days at most. Right. And as short as maybe four days. And so to me at that point, it's not worth it just to say that I've been in each park in a 24 hour period to take a picture with the icon. To me, it's more about, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to pay the money to be in the park, I want to maximize my ride time. Right. And get as many things done as I can. And so uh, at the expense of maybe some of the personal pleasures that I might have by, you know, getting my picture with all four attractions in one day. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I've thought hard about it just because I think we're we're going to end up in three because I've already told you Animal Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, and then that day Epcot stays open to 11, um, longer than any of the other parks. So I th- will definitely end up there just because we'll have extra two hours. So then it leaves Magic Kingdom, but the, the problem there is it's a Christmas party. So the park would close, close to me without a Christmas party ticket, I think is is at 4 p.m. when it closes to people that are non-ticketed. No, you can actually get into the park at 4 p.m. with the hard ticket. The rest of the resort or the rest of the theme park closes to the general public at seven. Yes. All right. So you're correcting a, a fallacy I had there. I, ha- I had those two numbers mixed up. So that that does make it a little more possible that that I could hit up Magic Kingdom. I'm going to be at Magic Kingdom in the day before, but there's a few rides that my little ones will not ride that that I would love to get on specifically Space Mountain and Splash Mountain. So I may try to pull it off. And uh, if so, I'll take a picture in front of every icon. So I am going to plug Becca just one more time because, you know, she does do those fireworks cruises from the Polynesian and from the other Bay Lake resorts. Right. And I know that she just recently did a fireworks cruise for the Holiday Wishes fireworks as well. So if you're not too tired and the rest of your party wants to do something special, I'm sure Becca would love to take you guys out on a fireworks cruise. So maybe you should consider that. Yeah, I will say that my wife, who does not listen to our podcast, even through other people that listen to it, has heard about the firework cruise and now wants to do one. So even by not listening to the podcast, she has heard about Becca's cruise and, and now wants in. So, um, and that, that may be something if you if we have time, well, I'm going to be in the parks. My I'm going to have part of my family that's going to have basically a resort day. One day, they're going to spend some time at the Dolphin. I've got um, some character breakfasts but what would you say if you're not going in a park and you have a night what what would you want with a one parent and kids you know nine and under you know they're 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 gonna want to experience something and i'm trying to give them some different ideas whether that's going to the polynesian beach and watching fireworks or you know 
just just staying at the resort. I, I don't know what your thoughts were on on a good place to have a fun night outside the park. Yeah, if it's not during the day and, and we're talking about night only, then I do think something over at Bay Lake would be the most fun. Now, during the day, I would say that there are a couple different options that, that you would might want to take advantage of. So one of them would be maybe going over to the Animal Kingdom Lodge and hanging out at that resort. They've got a lot of things over there. They've got, you know, a whole kind of children's play area. They got a playground outside. Of course, you can go see the animals. They've got lots of crafts and activities inside. That would be one that I would consider maybe during the day. You can't necessarily do experience the whole animal thing at night, although they do have night vision goggles to look at some of the animals. So it may be kind of cool. The other thing would be, as Becca mentioned in her last podcast, and I know we're referencing her a lot here, but you know, she talked about Fort Wilderness and all the cool things around the holiday times that they do there. So that might be another option. And I know that, you know, maybe at nighttime, a lot of the Disney resorts do the movie Under the Stars. And particularly at Fort Wilderness, they also do kind of a fire pit and roast marshmallows. And I know Chip and Dale come out as well. And so there's almost like a free character meet and greet that goes along with the kind of roasting marshmallows and the movie Under the Stars. Plus you get that, that, um, that light parade show, the water parade that comes by. Plus, if you time it right, you might be able to see the wish, some of the Wishes fireworks. I'm sorry, not Wishes, but Happily Ever After. Right. There's a lot of things at play there that you might be able to take advantage of at nighttime at Fort Wilderness as well. So I do think that there's some options, like you said, grabbing a Dole Whip and watching the fireworks from the Polynesian Beach and hanging out there is is something always great. I don't know with with a bunch of kids, if it would be my favorite thing to do, definitely with my spouse, I would want to take advantage of it. But I do think there are some pretty great options that you could take advantage of. Okay. No, that Fort Wilderness side is really intriguing. So, I mean, we, we love marshmallows and yeah, that, that that's the kind of lesser known place that I, you know, I just couldn't put my finger on is, and the, the thing is I'm not going to be there. So it's, I got to have it laid out for the non Disney people in my family, AKA my wife, um, where it's very clear what, where she goes and, and kind of what, you know, I, I hope to deliver something that the kids can have a good time with. So, yeah, I appreciate the advice. There you go. Hey, Griffin, do you have any more questions about your upcoming trip? Uh, I tried to think of as many as I could so we could get them on here. And uh, that's all I can think of now. But uh, that doesn't mean I won't have more later. All right. That sounds good. Well, hopefully this has been valuable to to not just you, Griffin, but to a lot of our listeners as they're starting to plan their trips and things that they may want to consider when they're thinking about taking their next Disney vacation. That'll do it for us. On behalf of Master the Mouse podcast and Griffin, I'm Aaron, and we'll see you real soon. See you guys.